You know, I have to admit, Rosie, every time I tell her she's short, she gets mad at me. <laughs> just like just now. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you what, that little girl, she's got a lot of character. Boy, is she a character. <clears throat> anyway, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians in chapter 3. I love, I love missions. Most of you know that I was a missionary uh, before I was a pastor. Um, God has given me a, a real burden for, for missions, and, and I, I just love Missions Month. And as we enter into Missions Emphasis Month, uh, I wanted to start off this morning by... defining what a mission what 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 missions really is June 1980 1st of June 1980 I don't know the date but the first the first part of June in 1980 I was sitting in a bar just outside the main gate of the Charleston Naval Shipyard in Charleston South Carolina I was sitting in that bar with a friend of mine. His name was Joe. And Joe and I, as we as we typically would do when we had time, we would go and anyway, I don't need to spend too much. You guys know. Uh, and but Joe that night for some for for whatever reason had had been acting a little different, a little strange, stranger than normal. <laughs> And um, we'd been there for, I don't know, a little while. And, and he looked at me and he said, he said, Rick, he said, this is my last beer. And I looked at my watch and I said, yeah, it's getting kind of late. We probably ought to get back to the ship. And he said, no, you don't understand. This is my last beer. And... I didn't really think anything about it. Like I said, he'd been acting a little strange anyway. So we got in my car and went back to ship. Didn't say a word the whole way. Didn't say another word. As we were walking up the pier, he, he stopped me and says, I need you to do me a favor. So sure, what's that? He said, I need you to come to my office. He, he worked on a, in one of the offices on, on board the ship. And uh, <clears throat> so I said, okay. You know, so we, we got on board the ship, and he still he didn't say a word. We, we walked into his office. He walked over to his desk, and he opened up the top drawer of his desk, and he pulled out a Bible. He started telling me how he was a backslidden Christian. And then he made this statement to me. He said, from this day forward, he said, I'm going to live for God. And he opened his Bible and he, <clears throat> he, he went through what we call the Romans road, showing me how I was a sinner and how I needed Christ in my life if I was going to go to heaven when I die and, 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 and so on and so forth. And after explaining all that to me, 
He looked at me and he says, Rick, do you want to accept Christ as your Savior? I looked him right in the eye. I said, nope. Turned around and walked out. For about two weeks, I had trouble sleeping. And when I was awake, everything he told me kept going over and over and over in my head. To the point where somewhere in that two-week period, I remember sitting at another bar, sitting by myself, bawling my eyes out, For no reason. The bartender probably thought I was crazy. And I was. I still am. But about two weeks after Joe and I had that encounter, I didn't see him. We didn't talk. Nothing. I I avoided him whenever possible. Well, one night I just, I couldn't take it any longer. I, I had reached the end of the rope, so to speak, and emotionally I was just spent. And I remember going to a part of the ship where I knew that there wouldn't be anybody at that time of night. And I walked around and I just, I cried out to God and I, I literally was walking around just crying out to God, yelling at God, just saying, what do you want from me? over and over and over and I don't know what I expected but guess what nothing happened I mean no no loud voice not you know no writing on the wall nothing and after doing this for an extended period of time I finally emotionally I was just I was I was spent and I couldn't take it any longer So I thought, well, I might as well try and get some sleep. So I made my way down to the birthing compartment, and as I walked through the birthing compartment, there were two guys standing there talking that I I didn't know either one of them, had never met them. And one of them stopped me. I learned later his name was Mike, and Mike said, hey, you, come here. So I turned around and went back, and, and he, he stuck his finger in my face. And he says, are you a Christian? I said, nope. He said, do you want to be? You know, as a matter of fact, I do. And he took his Bible, and he took the Word of God. And I accepted Christ that night. June 23rd, 1980. A day I will never forget. A day that changed my life. I have had the opportunity to share my testimony with many people. Many of you 
that are sitting here have heard my testimony. I, I share it as, as often as I can. I, I love to share what God has done in my life. We call that our testimony, our, our conversion to Christ. But what I didn't tell you was this. When I was probably seven or eight years old, maybe younger, maybe older, I don't know. I just remember the time. My cousin Tim and his soon-to-be wife, Jenny, uh, and, and their family was visiting us. And as a little boy, I remember observing them because my cousin Tim is, what did we figure, uh, seven or eight years older than me? Something. He's he's quite a bit older than me. And and as a little boy, the, 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 the way that my cousin and his girlfriend acted around each other was completely different than any other boyfriend and girlfriend I had ever seen. You know, they weren't hanging all over each other and doing what a lot of young people do. And and I and I and I, I just kind of as a little boy I kind of stored that away and come to find out later that that they were they were Christians and that they were they dated different than the world dates. But it made an impression on me as a as a little boy. I didn't tell you this either. When I was about 15, I was a Boy Scout. And I <clears throat> was a little mouthy one night in our weekly meeting. What are you laughing at? You were mouthy too. <laughs> I was a little mouthy and, and uh, I said to my Boy Scout leader, I said, I don't even remember the context, but I remember making this statement. I said, I don't even believe in God. Fifteen years old. And my Boy Scout leader unloaded on me. <laughs> How dare you not believe? You know, I mean, he just unloaded. And he says, if you don't believe in God, you need to quit. Because the Boy Scouts at that time was a Christian organization. And he says, if you don't believe in God, then you need to quit right now. Well, I love the Boy Scouts. I love camping. And I wasn't about to quit, so I just kind of, okay, I believe in God. But that, you know what? That had a huge impact in my life. When I was in high school, I had a science teacher who was a very outspoken believer in Jesus Christ. A science teacher of all things. And I remember we had to break up into groups in our science class and we had to debate creation and evolution in our, in our science class. You can't do that today. But that left an impression on my life. He was also my cross-country coach.
I remember about the time, I think it was just before I joined the Navy. I joined the Navy, uh, most of you understand this, but I, I early enlisted. I, I was still in high school, but I enlisted because I turned 18 in December, but I didn't go in the Navy until, until later. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, July, I went in July. Um, but about the time I enlisted in the Navy, I remember one night driving around our little town of Corona in California there, and I found a church. I don't, at the time, to me, a church was a church was a church. I didn't know the difference, and I just found a church, and I, and I remember pulling into the parking lot of this church and sitting there with the thought, there's got to be more to life than working, paying taxes, and dying. There's, there, there's more to life. There's, there's something more to life than that. And at the time, the, the motto of the Navy was join the Navy and see the world. What a lie that was. <laughs> but... But uh, yeah, I just got on the wrong ship. Yeah, we never, we didn't go anywhere. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> I did, I did. Yeah, I went to, I went to Cuba. Um, but um, I, I just remember thinking, there's more to life than that. And that was one of the reasons I joined the Navy, so that I could try and find what that, what that was. Well, I found it June 23rd, 1980. Something else that I didn't tell you is that my aunt and uncle, the the mother and father of my cousin that I talked about earlier, who who happened to be professing Christians, when I left my uh, A school, and those of you military people know what I'm talking about, my training, my I went to uh, uh, anyway. I don't want to get into that. I went from training. To, to, to the ship in Charleston, South Carolina. Well, I had to drive across country, and in doing so, I stopped to see my aunt and uncle. And as I was leaving the next morning, because <clears throat> I, I just stayed overnight, as I was leaving the next morning, my, my aunt handed me a, a, a small New Testament that she had pre-marked with the Romans Road. She said, promise me you'll read it. I never read it, but <laughs> I did promise her I would, and eventually I did. What what am I getting at here? See, I was saved June twenty third, nineteen eighty. But God was active in my life all along the way. I want to read you a passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. For, for while one saith, I am of Paul, and another saith, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? For then is Paul of, excuse me, who then is, is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, 
Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. All along my life, and I only, I only shared with you a few events, God had people in my life. I didn't, oh, I forgot the, a very important one. My, my girlfriend in high school was a Christian. She used to drag me to church. <laughs> I don't ever remember what I, what I learned, but I went mainly because she would have, anyway. <clears throat> but see, God, God gives you seeds and people to water those seeds all along your life. And I believe with all of my heart that God used a guy named Mike on board the USS Frank Cable, June 23rd, 1980, in Charleston, South Carolina, to, to lead me to Christ. But if it hadn't been for the seeds planted in my life all along the way, I don't believe I would have been saved that night. Does that make sense? Missions Emphasis Month. I want to, I, I told you earlier, I want to define missions. Now, now in a technical sense, I want to, I'm going to read you uh, the definition of missions. It is when our church collectively and financially support, uh, <clears throat> well, excuse me let, me, let me rephrase that, collectively, prayerfully, and financially support missionaries in their endeavor to spread the gospel in places we cannot go. That, that would be a definition of missions. In reality, as we sacrifice, now think about this, because this is important. As we at Grace Baptist Church sacrifice financially and prayerfully to pray for and to give to our mission missionaries, every soul that they reach on the foreign mission field you get a small part of credit for that. Does that make sense? God looks at your sacrifice and says, hey, you know what? They may have been on the mission field, but you sacrificed so that they could be there to do this. That is an incredible thought. But the definition of missions does not stop there. We, we have a responsibility to plant and water the seeds of the truths of this book. Let's read 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So let's start reading it in verse 1. Finally, my brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, 
who shall establish you and keep you from evil and have confidence in the Lord touching you that you do, excuse me, that you both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. Lord, we, we are a needy people. We need you to do a work in our lives. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The title of the message this morning is Living Your Faith. Living Your Faith. Now, I want you to think about something. <clears throat> Every person that I mentioned a little while ago that planted or watered a seed in my life from, from as, the, as early as I can remember to the time that I got saved, not one of those people was a pastor, a missionary, or what we would call a full-time Christian service person. You follow me? It was just common people that were willing to plant the seeds of truth in my life. Way too often, way too often, we get the misconception that the spreading of the gospel is for, quote-unquote, the professionals, the pastors, the missionaries, the people that, quote-unquote, get paid for it. I want you to think back in your life. If you are saved this morning, and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you can look back in your life and you can see how God planted and watered seeds in your life all along the way like He did mine. And I want you to think about how many of those people that planted seeds in your life were quote-unquote professional Christians. Probably very few. Most of them were probably just what we would call just normal people that love God and were willing to step out of their comfort zones. Point number one this morning. Has the Word of God made a difference in your life? Has the Word of God made a difference in your life? Let's, let's look at verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, Finally, my brethren... Uh, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be, be glorified even as it is with you. What Paul is saying here is, hey, <clears throat> as the word of God has changed your lives, pray that as we preach the word of God, that it has the same effect on the people we are going to be preaching to. The, the 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 believers in Thessalonica I'm doing it again. The, the believers in Thessalonica had been changed by the word of God. 
the gospel had clearly made a difference in their lives. I want to I want to say something here because this is important. We cannot and will not share the gospel of Jesus Christ unless it has made a difference in our lives. If if you have been saved and you're the same person today as you were when you got saved, then the gospel has not made a difference. And that and thus you will not share that. But when the gospel makes a difference in our lives, then we will we will get on the rooftop and declare it. The word of God is alive and powerful. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, 4, uh, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sun or soul and spirit and to the joints and the marrows and is the discerner of the thoughts and in the, the intents of the heart. In other words, there is not an area of your life that will not be affected by the, by the, by the power of the word of God if you will let it. It is powerful, it is alive, and it can and will change lives if we will let it. Acts chapter 13, verses 47 to 49. For so had the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee uh, to be a light unto the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And then the Gentiles heard it, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord as many uh, uh, as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. I want you to see the progression in this passage. The reason I, I, I read that passage, I, wanted, I want you to see the progression. The, the seed is sown. Lives were changed. And it spread. Why did it spread? Because it changed lives. When the seed is sown, lives are changed. And then the word is spread. That, my friend, is missions. That is missions. Number one. <clears throat> the word has the word of God made a difference in your life. Number two, and I'm going, I'm going as fast as I can here. Okay. Number two, there will always, always, always be opposition. Look at verse two, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Paul is asking for prayer because <clears throat> opposition is real. I told you earlier that I was a missionary and, and I was the type of missionary I was was not the normal type. For most of you that know me know 
that I was a construction missionary and that I traveled around the world and built churches and houses for missionaries. So I, I, had, I had contact with missionaries literally all over the world. God put me on five of the, uh, five of the seven continents. Now, I never made it to Antarctica. There, there are no churches in Antarctica. I, I don't understand why, but there are no churches in Antarctica. And I never made it to the, to the continent of Africa, which kind of always surprised me, but I never did. But I have had contact with missionaries literally all over the world. And I, I, made, a, I made a point in asking, what is your number one need? And every single time, anybody know what that number one need was? Prayer. Prayer. Why? Because there's always opposition. Always opposition. Now, do they need financial support? Absolutely, they need it. But they need prayer. And we need to be faithful to pray for our missionaries. David Livingston, many of you have heard of David Livingston. He, he was a missionary that opened up Africa. Or was it South America? Africa, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, people talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. There it is right there. Um, uh, it is emphatically not sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. See, David Livingston did not sacrifice one thing. He considered the life that he lived in Africa as a privilege. In fact, when, when David Livingston died in Africa, <clears throat> the, the, uh, the, the people from his home church in England came to get his body. And the Africans fought him, fought over the body. And finally, they came to a, to a reasonable conclusion and they took out his heart. <clears throat> they took out David Livingston's heart and they buried his heart in Africa. And they took his body back to England. Incredibly symbolic. Hudson Taylor wrote this, another great missionary. There are three stages in the work of God. First it is impossible, next it is difficult, then it is done. There's always going to be opposition, always. That's why we have to pray for our missionaries. That's why we must have confidence in God for ourselves. Number three, <clears throat> he's faithful. Look at verse three. And the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. <clears throat> the work of the ministry or missions is not complicated. It's not, it's not complicated. Live the word Share the word, and he'll take care of you. Warren Rearsby, a theologian, wrote this. 
Too much Christian work these days is accomplished by human plans and promotions and not by the Word of God. We trust our programs and do not publish the Word of God. The universe was created and, and, uh, and sustained by the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Surely His Word can accomplish His work in this world. But the preaching of the world, the preaching of the word in the pulpit is too often been replaced by the entertainment of the world on the platform. I believe he's got it right. It's the word of God that changes lives. It's not a philosophy of men. It's not a a sermon that's going to make you feel good. But it's the Word of God that changes lives. This book doesn't. Nothing I say can do that. But this book can. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 to 23. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. He is faithful. Number four, look at verse four. Serve him now and tomorrow. Verse four. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we commanded you. We need to serve him today and we need to serve him tomorrow. William Carey, who is called the father of modern missions, He kind of paved the way, if you would, to what we call missions today. He served the Lord in India for many years. He gradually became very concerned about his adult son, Felix. The young man had promised to become a missionary, but he reneged on his vow when he was appointed ambassador to Burma by the Queen of England. William Carey wrote to his friend asking for prayer for his son. And this is what he said. Pray for Felix. He has, de- uh, excuse me. He has degraded into an ambassador of the British government when he should be serving the King of Kings. Think about that. The greatest privilege that we have is to serve the King of Kings. Now, can we do that in our normal day lives, so to speak? Absolutely we can. But never let your career take the priority of the calling of God in your life.
the greatest work we can do is to serve him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Number 5 in verse 5. Follow him, or excuse me, allow him to direct your heart. Allow him to direct your heart. Verse 5. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. The thing about verse 5, it is totally optional. It is our choice to allow God to direct our hearts. He is not going to force his way into your life. But he has given each of us the choice to allow him to direct our lives. His direction will never be forced on us. A soldier obeys primarily out of loyalty and fear of being punished. I can, I can attest to that. When I was in the military, there were officers that I did not like. But you know what? I respected the, the position, not the individual. But God has shown his love toward us. And we need to choose that we will allow him to guide us and to prompt us and to work in our lives. As Christians, we have a much higher motivation to obey. And that is God's love and the return of Christ. We see it here in verse 5. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. These five verses that we just read, verses uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, I believe sum up what missions really is all about. Mission starts in the heart, not in the wallet. Missions is something that is all about our hearts and has very little to do with our wallets. Because the reality is this, if God has your heart, your money is nothing. Missions is all about you and I planting seeds and watering seeds in the lives of people all around us. We may not always have the opportunity to share the gospel, but we can always have opportunities to plant seeds. And that's how we, that's how we should live our lives. I... I've heard a quote, and I believe this quote to be very accurate. <coughs> it says, <coughs> your life may be the only Bible some people read. And I believe that. And how we live our lives will often dictate how people will receive the seeds that we're trying to plant. 
missions is all about us getting out of our comfort zones and sometimes doing the hard thing. All of us, there's not a person in this room this morning that doesn't like being in your comfort zone. We all love that. I, I, we just do. But I can tell you this. I can look back through my life and I can see the influence that people had in my life. And many of the seeds and the watering that took place in my life was because people were willing to do the hard thing. And ultimately, it led to me accepting Jesus Christ, June 23rd, 1980, on board the USS Frank Cable. Why? Because they were not, they were not worried about what other people would think. They were not worried about the influence of the things around them. They wanted to plant the seed of truth in the heart and life of a, lo- of a young boy. Not knowing, having no idea that that boy would grow up to be a pastor one day. Most of them, when they hear that, they go, what? <laughs> You're kidding. Let me close with a verse that I read a few minutes ago, and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another say, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? In other words, don't, don't, don't think about that. Who, who cares who your pastor is? doesn't matter. It's about Jesus Christ. Okay? Just telling you. Who then is Paul? And, and, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave their increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. So how much, let me ask you this in closing, how, how many seeds have you sown? How much water have you poured out of your life? Think about it. Too often it's, it's too easy to retreat back into our comfort zones. Let's, let, let's make missions a priority in our lives this, this year. And mission starts right here. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, as we bring our service to a conclusion, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and challenge our hearts through your word. It is your word that changes lives. Nothing I can say, nothing I can do, can do that. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, is there anyone who say, Pastor, you know, your testimony earlier was, was, was interesting.